Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Thanks, Philip. It's always um, a privilege to uh, minister all over, and especially here. It's the first time I'm a year in this this building, and it's um, it's um, it, it brings back a lot of memories. I grew up in in the Dutch Reformed Church. I met the Lord, and I grew in my faith um, in the Dutch Reformed Church, and and I, I I discovered so much of His love, of His Word, and um, just what it means to to follow him. Um, my journey started there, and, and it, it's it's always good to be reminded of those foundations that was laid. I, I wanna I wanna share with you this morning um, just a a very, a very simple concept: um, living for Christ. I was. I was reading a portion of scripture um, recently, and it and it just struck me again the simplicity and the power of what it means to be a Christian. And before we do, I want us just to close our eyes and ask the Lord just to bless us as we read His Word. Father, we thank you for this amazing privilege we have to come together, um, to come together in Your name, knowing that You are here with us, that You love us, that You have given Your life for us that we may know you. And, and we pray, God, that, Holy Spirit, you will grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That you will open the eyes of our understanding, that we may know the hope of our calling, the riches of our inheritance, and the exceeding greatness of your power at work in us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Lord, I pray that you will come and just fill our hearts, open our minds. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that my words will disappear and yours will remain. God, I pray for your word, Lord, to find good hearts, good soil. And Lord, I pray that it will grow and bear fruit in us that we may live in a way that will glorify you. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look at um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 from verse 14 to 15. It says very powerfully, it says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. It is just such a powerful scripture that really spoke to my heart again and, and reminded me of the power and the simplicity of the gospel and really what it means to be a Christian. Um, the New Living Translation put it this way. It says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. It's such a simple and, and, and radical aspect of salvation. That those who accept His uh, gift, His grace, His sacrifice, the response to this is, no, is to no longer live for ourselves. 
but to live for Him. And I, and I, and I trust that this simple yet radical aspect of, of salvation will really um, encourage you today as we continue to follow Him and live for Him. You know, we know so well John 3.16 that speaks of another aspect of eternal life. Where Jesus boldly declared that God so loved the world that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And, and eternal life is, is another aspect of salvation. But it speaks of our future. It speaks of what Christ come to establish on the earth and, and made possible for us to inherit eternal life. But 2 Corinthians 5 speaks about another aspect of salvation, and that's the fact that Christ not only died to give us eternal life, He died so that we should no longer live for ourselves, but that we should live for Him. And that speaks of a present aspect of salvation. Eternal life is, is waiting for us. Living for Him is, is here and now. It is here in the present. And so... I want us just to, for a moment, close our eyes and just meditate on the Scripture as I read it again. But I want you to close your eyes and just, just meditate upon it. For He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I want you to think for a moment. What does this mean to you? That you no longer live for yourself. But you live for Him. Father, I pray this morning that by Your Spirit You will come and encourage and renew in us that first commitment we made when we gave you our lives, when we received your grace, your forgiveness, and we responded to it with all our hearts. Lord, I pray that you will just come and renew that, restore that in all of us again, afresh and new in Jesus' name. You know, it's interesting in the census, they say that more than 80% of South Africans are Christian. Most, of course, is nominal Christians. Uh, one aspect of a nominal Christianity is the fact that they believe, nominal Christians believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. But they do not follow Him as Lord. They still live for themselves. And that's one of the defining aspects between a nominal Christian and a born-again Christian. Is somebody that not just believes that Jesus is the Savior of the world, but somebody that follows Him as their Lord and King. And that's one of the defining aspects of being born again, is, is that concept of, of repentance. Repentance is another aspect of salvation that is so powerful. Um, repentance is, is, is this concept of of turning around 180 degrees. You know, when we were still in the world unsaved, we used, to, we used to live like the world. We used to be driven by our own desires and our own will. 
and, 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 and controlled by the way of the world. And then at some point, something powerful happened. When, through God's grace, we were, we were exposed to the revelation of Christ's um, life, death, and resurrection for us. That, that God wanted to save us from this way that leads to hell. It leads to destruction, the way of the world. And, and so, as we used to go the way of the world, at some point we came to the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, and that He came to save me. And then something powerful happens when we bow our knee, and we acknowledge that we are sinners, and we are in need of a Savior in Jesus. We want to give you our lives. We, we want to ask you to forgive us and save us from our sin and guilt. And, and that's, that's a powerful moment in every believer's life. When, when you come to that point when you realize you're in need of a Savior. And at that point, something powerful happens. We, we used to follow our own ways. We, we used to determine what we want and where we're going and, and, and follow the way of the world. There, there comes a repentance where we turn 180 degrees and we accept Jesus as our Lord. It's not just our Savior, but our Lord and King. And then we start to follow Him. And so there's a radical change that takes place at conversion. When we are born again, when we bow our knee, accept Christ, not just as our Savior, but as our King. The early Christians, and throughout the centuries, referred to Jesus as, as our Lord. The word Lord means owner, master. One has absolute dominion arising from ownership. He, he died for us. And, and, and so there's something powerful that happens when we bow our knee before God. And, and we accept Christ's salvation. We used to go this way. And then we realized Jesus is the king. And then we start to follow him. That's what it is to be a Christian. We no longer go this way. But we repent from our ways, and we follow Jesus. Christianity is not this. Christianity is not we used to go this way, and then we accept Jesus as Lord, and we do this. Have you met Christians like that? They say Jesus is Lord, but they still live the way the world lives. They still live for themselves. It's that scary place where Jesus said, many in that day will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't, I don't know you. He says, yeah, but we did many wonders in your names, prophesied in your name. And Jesus said, I never know, knew you. You practice lawlessness. You see, what it means to be a Christian is not only believing that Jesus is the Savior. It is bowing our knee and accepting him as our Lord and King. And then following him. That's what it means to be a Christian. We, we follow Jesus. We follow his teaching. We follow his example. We, we follow his word. We, we follow his voice. And so this concept of repentance is, is a powerful aspect of salvation. We, we, we bow our knee and we are no longer living for ourselves. But now we are living for him. It's a radical change. And that change changes everything. The way we think, the way we live. That decision that we made to follow Him. 
That's one of the big differences between a nominal Christian and a born-again Christian. Sometimes even born-again Christians get drawn back into the world and the way the world thinks. And we need to recalibrate. We need to, from time to time, just pause and, and in a sense, reboot our hard drive. Get it back to that original factory settings when we were born again, when we became a new creation. And, and everything became new. And, and, and so the, this morning is an, is an opportunity for us just to reflect and to recalibrate in, in our own minds, in our own hearts, where we're at, and how we are following Jesus, to almost defrag the hard drive, just run that software, and, and just restore again, recalibrate in our focus in following Jesus. And, and so I'm trusting for God to do just that in all of us today. But before we go deeper in, in what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to live for Christ, I, I want to share with you this morning the reason why. The motivation for doing so in the first place. What motivates us to live no longer for ourselves, but to live for Christ? What motivates us to constantly recalibrate our own hearts and minds and pursuits in life, our priorities, to live for Him and not for ourselves? What are these things that motivate us to do so? And I want us to go back to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. It started off there. If we go to that next slide. Um, there we go. It starts off very powerfully. It it. it it gives the reason why we are no longer living for ourselves. One of the reasons is because the love of God compels us. It is because of the love for God towards us. His mercy and His grace saving us, paying for our lives. Because He loves us, that love for God compels us, motivates us. And it's not just the love of God for us. It is our response to God's love. So it's God's love for us and our love for God that motivates us to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for Him. It, it is driven primarily by love. This is the most and the most powerful reason why we follow Jesus, why we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Him is because of love. His love for us and our love for Him, it is the essence of Christianity. It's love. And so that's a powerful motivator. It is the first and most important. There's another reason why we live for him and not for ourselves. It's found in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. It says the following, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God only, not only loves us, He not only loves me, he, he paid a price for my life. I was bought back from destruction. He paid for my life. This is a powerful motivator to live for Him. I remember the day I got saved. I was at the point of suicide. And I was about to kill myself. I got saved at that moment when God spoke to me. This is really real for me. 
It's not just physically saving my life. I was going to hell. And God saved me. But that salvation came at a great cost. It wasn't just a decision. It wasn't overlooking my sin. No, it was paid for with the blood of His Son. God died for me. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's a powerful motivator to live for Him. The fact that I do not belong to myself, therefore, I no longer live for myself. But I live for the one who loves me, who died for me and was raised for me. It's Jesus. So now there are three reasons for living for God. His love for me, my love for Him, and His ownership. He bought me at a price and I belong to Him, therefore I no longer live for myself. But there's yet another reason why I no longer live for myself, but I live for Him, and that is His purpose. His purpose for my life. You and I have purpose. You know, Romans 6 it's a very powerful chapter and speaks about the, the, the spiritual significance of baptism. And, and baptism in, in, in the New Testament was the outer call. It was the, it was the outer call of Acts. You know, if you, if you responded to, to, to the gospel, you know, today we say, come forward and we will pray with you. In, in, in Acts, it was, have yourself baptized. So they didn't separate baptism from salvation. It was the outer call of, of the early church. And, and, and so when we read Romans chapter 6, it speaks about the power of baptism, but, but within it, the power of, of conversion. When we, we, we become a new creation in Christ Jesus and, and everything that happens around us. But I want us to listen carefully to the purpose behind it all. It says so powerfully, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Continue in the way the world lives, driven by the flesh and a sinful nature. Shall we continue in this so that grace can abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus was baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism in death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. It's a powerful purpose of salvation. We have been united with Christ's death and resurrection to become a new creation, free from the power of sin, that we can walk in newness of life. A different way of living. A different reason for living. It continues in verse 5, it says, For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
It's such a powerful revelation of what happened at the day we gave our life to God. The purpose of Christ's death was not just to pay for our sins, but to deal with the cause of it. And to create a new creation free from the power of sin so that we could walk in newness of life. That we can walk differently. We used to be controlled by our sinful nature. But when we gave our life to God, He took our old man, our, not just our sin that we committed, but the cause of the sin, the old man, the sinful nature, and crucified it with Christ so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, but... A new creation that now lives for God. It says here in verse 8, it continues, For now, if we, we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once and for all, but the life that He lives... He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's a powerful thing. It says you must reckon. It starts off, do you not understand? Do you not know what happened when you were born again? This old sinful nature that used to drive you was crucified with him so that you no longer need to live like that. But you can now live for him. And so there's a fourth reason for living for God. It's a new purpose. It is to live. To live for him. To live differently. To this world. That is our purpose of being saved, <laughs> is to live different to this world. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, God has prepared beforehand good works for you and me that we should walk in it. It speaks of the fact that God has purpose for your life. It's got purpose for my life, which he has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in it. That's why we no longer live for ourselves. We now live for him. We have been redeemed, recreated in Christ to live differently to the world, to live for God, to live according to his ways. His kingdom ways of life. Romans 12 says it so powerfully, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Do not be conformed again to this pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove to the world as you live God's way, that you may prove to the world that God's will is good 
acceptable and perfect. And so we become God's ambassadors on earth. It's our purpose. We have been redeemed for a purpose. And so we are God's ambassadors living for Him. Our purpose is to live our lives to glorify God and to prove to the world that God's ways, His world, His will is good, perfect. Christ came into the world as the light into the darkness. Very powerfully we read John, I don't have the scriptures there, but where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later on it says, and, and, and the Word was the light of men. And the light shine came into the darkness, and darkness could not overcome it. Christ came as the light into the world to, to show who God is, to show God's way to salvation. And then Jesus turned around and said to his disciples, in Matthew 5, verse 14, we read, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that gives a light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. That's our purpose. That's why we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Him. We become God's ambassadors in this world to live for Him. We bear His name. We are called Christians, and we live differently to this world. That brings me to a fifth reason why we, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Him. And, and that is because He is he has given us, He has sealed us with His Holy Spirit. We've not just become a new creation, but we were filled with His Spirit that now lives within us. If we choose to live for Him, what is so powerful is that, that God enables us to do so. He doesn't leave us to try and do it in our own strength, in our own capacity, but, but he, he pours His Spirit within us to enable us. If we choose to live for Him, he, he does not leave us alone to do it in our own strength. He gave us a helper, a mentor, power in the person of the Holy Spirit who now lives within us. We become the temple of God. Galatians 5 verse 16 says it so powerfully. It says, I say to you, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I don't need to. I don't need to try to do this in my own strength. I, I, I can. I can rely on God to change me, as I choose to live for Him. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Because you're no longer living for yourself now. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, 
idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, decisions, uh, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I've also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, if we have surrendered our life to God, and we are born again, filled by the Holy Spirit, if we live, if we have life because of the Spirit, let us also walk in Him. Speaking of an, a closeness, an intimacy, a yielding to and an obedience to what the Holy Spirit says and where He leads us. What He reveals to us of what it means to be a child of God. You know, one of, the, one of the, the greatest treasures I have is, is what God has given us th through the Word. And, you know, the Word for me is so powerful. It, 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 creation, I love nature. I love being outside. I love sleeping in, in nature. I, I, I often go just to be in the mountains, just to be in the created Word, where you see the majesty and the power of God's creation. And, and the, the Word of God declares, the, the first revelation of who God is, is He is the Creator. In the beginning, God created. And, and, and so, so, so the Word, the, the creation, the created Word declares the majesty of who God is, His power and His infinite wisdom. But it doesn't reveal Him. It doesn't, it doesn't say who He is. We, we, we see He exists and He's powerful, but I, I don't know His name. <laughs> and so the Word of God, is, the written Word is so powerful because it, it reveals to me who He is. Who He's like. What is His character? What is His name? And then the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It was Jesus. To show us who the Father is. One of the things most precious, if I sit with this word and I say, Lord, I want to know who you are. <laughs> show me. Teach me. Like Moses that said, Lord, sh sh teach me your ways that I may know you. And when the Holy Spirit comes and, and we start to read the Word, not just for the sake of reading it, but to understand it, what does it mean? Jesus, I want to know, what did you mean when you said what you said? What did you mean? How do I apply this to my life? I mean, who, who are you? When, when, when Jesus comes into the world, He's the creator of the world. Everything that exists, exists because of him. He's the king of kings, the lords of lords. And he comes into the world. He humbles himself to become one of us. But, but beyond that, he was not born in, in luxury or comfort. 
in wealth, fame. He was born in a feeding bucket. A feeding bucket. Who is this God? Comes to us in a feeding bucket. What does it say about who he is? And you and you, you ask the Lord, what does this mean? And, and then and then he says, But I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And then he says, But you know who's the greatest in the kingdom? The humble. Because I am humble. This is who I am. And, and, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. It, it shows us who God is and, and what it means to follow Him. And, and then I realize, oh, I need to be humble. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> I want to be seen. I want to be acknowledged. This whole world is about seeing and being acknowledged. Help me <laughs> to be different. Show me. Teach me. And when we heal to Him, the amazing thing is He changes us. He, he starts working in us and through us. And slowly but surely, as we behold Him, we are transformed from glory to glory into the same image. It's a, it, is a, it is an adventure to not only discover who He is, but to heal to Him and to be changed. To become more like Him. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Um, he will lead us and empower us uh, to crucify the flesh and its passions and desires and to live differently to this world. But this is where our choice, our will, and our desire come in. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for willing people. He didn't come to save perfect people. He came to save sinners like you and me. <laughs> he's not looking for perfect people. No, he's looking for willing people. Willing to bow their knee. To say, Lord, come, fill me. Change me. <laughs> There's yet another reason why we live for God. And I'm going to end off with this. And the band can perhaps come forward and Minister for us. It's, it's Romans chapter 8 from verse 14 to 17. Yeah, 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 come on, come. Um, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the Son of God. So powerful. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption who cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know, the other reason we, we live for God is because we have an inheritance waiting for us, a reward. 
to be co-heirs with Christ. You know, Christ came into this world to save us from it. And not only were we recreated, born again, to become a new creation, we have a new citizenship. We don't belong here anymore. This is not my world. This is not my inheritance. It's waiting for me in heaven. I'm just passing through. And the reason I'm living for him is because we will be rewarded for doing so. It's a powerful motivator. Honor, glory, and an inheritance. If we live, if we live for him, when we will hear those words, when we see him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over the little. I will make you ruler over much. It's a powerful motivator. To not live for ourselves, but to live for him. But you know, our reward is not in this life. Primarily. When we choose to follow him, it's not for what you will gain in this life. It's for what you're going to gain in eternity. To, to really live for God, you need to have an eternal perspective. You need to know where you're going and what is waiting for you. Because when you turn from this world and start to live differently, the world will hate you for it. And they will try everything in its power to draw you back. But if you know... If you know what you've been saved from and what you've been saved to, you will always keep going. No matter what the world does, I'm not doing it for the world anymore. I'm not doing it for myself anymore. I'm doing it for the one who loves me, who gave his life for me, who bought me at a price who gave me a purpose, who sealed me with His Spirit and promised me an inheritance. It's for Him I'm doing it. You know, I've realized there is nothing in this life that someone can take from me or what I can lose that is greater than what is waiting for me. So I am not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of what man thinks. I'm not afraid of what man can do. I, I'm not afraid of what the government can do. Because <laughs> I'm just a stranger. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just passing through. <laughs> and soon, you know what? Soon, very soon, we will all be with Him. Life goes like this. Goes quickly. Let's close our eyes. It all starts with faith, repentance, and then following the King.
God is not looking for perfect people. No, He's looking for willing people. While your eyes are closed, if you had a map before you, where's your destination? Where are you going? For who and for what are you living? Are you living for what will burn away? Or are you living for what will remain for eternity? Oh, Father, this morning as we come before you, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that that you will just open our eyes again. Grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you, open the eyes of our understanding that we may know what is the hope of our calling. The hope of our calling. The the riches of our inheritance. And the exceeding greatness of your power that is in work in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Lord, help us not to be distracted by this world and the emptiness in it and the way it thinks and operates. Lord, help us, Lord, to to always keep our eyes on you and to, to not just live in the Spirit, but to walk by Him. And so, Lord, this morning I pray, Lord, that you will grant us just to recalibrate our own hearts and minds, Lord, our own priorities, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to to understand what it means to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for you. What does this look like in your career? To no longer live for yourself, but to live for him. What does this look like in your family? What does this look like in your priorities? What does this look like in your church? Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come and encourage us again. Open our eyes again. Remind us. Recalibrate us. If you are here this morning while all the eyes are closing... And you've realized you've, you've never bowed your knee. You've never come to that place where you surrendered everything. If that is you, that, that, that is the reason why He came. He came for you. So that you can bow your knee. So that He can make you new. Recreate you. And give you purpose, a destiny and inheritance that cannot fade away. Cannot be taken from you. If that is you this morning and you want to surrender to Him. You want to bow your knee. Just just where you are. just, Just raise your hand and say, God, here I am. I want to give you my life. I want to bow my knee. Not just to my Savior, but to my King. I want to give you everything. If 
that is you, just, just respond there. Just by quickly raising your hand. Say, God, here I am. Thank you for those hands. You can drop it again. You can drop it again. And maybe here you are, this morning you realize you need to be recalibrated again. Reboot. God, I pray reboot my heart and mind to that original factory setting when I bowed my knee the first time. And if that is you, I'm not going to call you forward. Just between you and the Lord. Just respond to Him. Just say, Lord, here I am, Lord. Reboot me. Renew me. Recalibrate my heart. Thank you for that. It's just, it's just a response from your side before the Lord. You can just raise it and drop it again. It's just between you and the Lord. Thank you for those hands. It's just between you and the Lord. And so now what I want to do, all of us, as we are here this morning, just to take a few moments and just respond to the Lord in your own words. Whatever stood out for you, whatever commitment you are making this morning, just in your own words, just speak to the Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for every heart that is responding to you right now. Lord, I thank you for those who bowed their knee for the first time. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that from this day on, Lord, they are no longer of this world. <laughs> they now belong to you. They belong to you, Lord. You will seal them with your spirit, God. I pray that even right now, Lord, you will change the way they think, the way they feel. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and fill them, Lord, afresh. Lord, come and pour yourself within them. Lord, they may know you, that you will lead them closer to you. Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us, Lord, that are responding and asking, Lord, that you must recalibrate us. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, lead us. Lord, as we open your word and we ask this question, what does it mean to follow you? That you will show us, that you will teach us, that you will mentor us, that you will enable us to live it to the full. Lord, I just pray, Father, Holy Spirit, may we become your hands, your feet, your ambassadors, your light, your salt in this world. And God, as we follow you, may the world see you in and through us. When they see the good works, that they may glorify you when they see the way we live, they may ask us why. Why are you so different? And help us, Lord, to be ready to give them an answer for the hope. Why? We are different. For somebody years, while we were worshiping, just Matthew 11 verse 28 came up. I don't know for who it is. It's for someone. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Make an exchange. For all those burdens you are carrying. Come to me. And exchange it for mine.
and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, Lord, I pray that we will all make that exchange and learn from you and find rest. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.